everybody. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review movies and decide if they're worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. This time around, we're going to be discussing Bill and Ted Face the Music. Mm-hmm. Starring Keanu Reeves. And it, is it Bill Winter or Bill Winters, folks? It, it's Alex oh, sorry, Winter. Not, not Bill Winter. <laughs> Alex Winter. <laughs> Trick question. Uh, yeah. Neither. <laughs> Uh, Alex Winter, yeah. Um, the original Bill and Ted, of course, from... Uh, where th- Those movies were from the 80s, right? Yeah, I think the... Like late 80s, mid to late 80s? I think it would, it's been 30 years since Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, I believe. There you go. It's funny, it's, I, was thinking, I was thinking if I clicked on um, Alex Winter and looked at his, uh, you know, his actor credits it would be like bill and ted face the music and then the last thing he did was bill and ted's bogus journey but that's not the case he's had a bunch of stuff in between obviously just not quite as much as keanu reeves right yeah one of them had a slightly more uh you know famous like more more, illustrious career yeah, yeah 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 bill and ted's bogus journey came out in 1991 so so 29 years okay okay although you know what i didn't realize is um Apparently, isn't I think Alex Winter is now like a documentary filmmaker. Did you know that? Uh, he he certainly has a lot of um, documentary credits, credits. Yeah, to his name. Yeah, yeah. Looks like he's most recently working working on a Frank Zappa documentary. Sounds great. Wow. Wow. Anyway, okay. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to business. Um, do you want to read the summary, Adam? Yes, do I do. In front of you. Yeah. So, uh, once told they'd save the universe during a time traveling adventure, two would be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle aged dads, still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. All right. There you have it. Bill and Ted face the music 30 years after the last installment. Which I should say, so, like, that description of the movie, as somebody who has seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, like, that description makes sense to me. Like, I recognize uh-huh. those references. I understand the concept of, like, yeah, it's about two guys write a song that saves the universe and unites all of mankind. Sure, I get it. <laughs> um, yep. When I was explaining the premise to my wife, she had not seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey uh-huh. and uh-huh. was like, and I was like, oh, well, let's watch Bill and Ted face the music. She's like, why would we do that? <laughs> right? And I was like, it's going to be awesome. And I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just dumb fun. And I'm like explaining it to her. I was like, so they kidnap Genghis Khan so they can pass a history test. And I'm, as I'm like saying all of these words, I'm like, yeah, this is total nonsense. This like very, oh, yeah. it very, yeah. ba- it barely makes any sense at all. Total nonsense, and yet, I I do believe I've had conversations with you know friends, coworkers about when you talk about time travel movies, Bill and Ted like belongs in the conversation yeah. because of the way it treats time travel and the way it almost want to say like takes the concept in some ways more seriously, right? <laughs> than than other you know, ostensibly more serious movies. Like, like for, for example, I would just compare it directly to back to the future. Right. Yeah. And the fact that both movies embrace the idea that you could go back in the past and change the present, you know, for yourself. 
but Bill and Ted sort of presents that concept. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure presents that concept in a way that's like, that's how it would actually happen, you know? Whereas in Back to the Future, you've got like Marty McFly with his like hand slowly disappearing and you're just like... Why would it happen like that? <laughs> right? It doesn't make sense. It's yeah. There's sort of like a Schrodinger's cat element to like Back to the Future, where it's like he's there but not there, and like the yeah. it, it's just this weird sort of in between state that doesn't seem possible, right? Right. It's it's like look, either your past was this or it wasn't. You're not you're not like in the process of changing your past. Like it's your past, you know, right. It already happened for you. Right. And Bill and Ted, like that's how they handle that concept. I mean, there's still a paradox of course. Right. Um, but yeah, I always enjoyed that. So, so yeah, it's like, I agree with you. It's like a quite ridiculous movie. And yet at the same time, I'm sure this is, I'm sure why it's, or part of the reason it has so much lasting popularity is there's this endearing, you know, combination of nonsensicalness. Right. But at the same time, a uh, really, um, I don't want to say rigorous cause I'm sure that's way too generous, but you know, uh, a sort of like legit take on time travel that, like I said, kind of belongs in, it belongs in that sort of pantheon of influential time travel. Movies, right. I would say it's a smart, dumb movie or a dumb, smart movie. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's, it's, yep. But I think it 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 straddles, especially the that early those early movies, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey, like strike that balance quite well, right? Yeah. Um, I think to yeah. on a superficial level, uh, I feel like people are like, isn't this just super dumb, right? It's mm-hmm. sort of like um, kind kind of like a movie like Hey, uh, like uh, uh, Dude, Where's My Car, right? Like that mm-hmm. movie's sort of like which dumb. I've never seen actually. The movie's like dumb, dumb. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, almost in a winking way, which makes it kind of winning and charming, but like, but it's still like, there's nothing hyper clever about that movie, right? There's something like very witty about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, especially like exactly the sequence that you're describing where it's like, we have to remember steal my dad's keys or else this won't happen. But it did happen. So I guess I did steal my dad's keys, right? Like, it's sort of like. them stumbling through sort of the paradox of time travel and sort of their extremely charming way is like Mm -hmm. part of the fun of, of that movie. So at any rate, uh, I just realized just as I was reading the premise of this film, it's just like, it sounds like such gibberish to somebody who's like (laughs) uninitiated to this, to this franchise. Yeah. Well, but, and at the same time, it is such gibberish, even to someone who is when you stop and think about it, right. It's total nonsense, but right. Um, but it kind of makes sense at the same time. That's that's the that's the charming paradox of Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, just to to or a quick point about the second movie, Bogus Journey, which I remember very fondly. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen either of the first two, so I yeah I understand a lot of people consider the second one to be inferior, as sequels often are. But I remember it really fondly, and I think it also. I think it ent- it enters the smart dumb sort of uh category in its in its own way which is you know it it has this like long running reference to like the seventh seal right <laughs> which right. is an incredibly you know revered like artful film right but just in the most absurd way like Bill and Ted is sort of uh, that's the thing they do is they make these like really intelligent references that sort of are completely out of place for what 
a ridiculous, you know, movie with these two stars, they are. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I remember seeing Bogus Journey. For me, it was funny because I saw Bogus Journey without understanding the reference to Seventh Seal at totally, all. Totally, And yeah, yeah. years later, like in college, I saw the Seventh Seal. And I was like, this is like Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, I like it like made me retroactively enjoy, you know, the fact that they like played Twister with death instead of chess, for right. example. Right. Um, anyway, uh, so so, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, what you thought of the original movies uh, to sort of inform your expectations of this one. But it sounds like we both quite liked the originals. Is that yeah, fair to say? I, I mean, I certainly have a difficult time separating nostalgia, nostalgia right. right from yeah, it. Yeah. So, so yes, I definitely, I mean, when I learned that they were making this movie and I learned the premise of the movie, I was like, mm-hmm. Oh yes, sign me up for this immediately. I will definitely <laughs> right. watch this movie. Right. Which is, yeah, which yeah. is funny. Like it's hard to think of other movies from 30 years ago that you're like, they're making a third one or whatever. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great idea. You know what I mean? Like very rare. It just seems really odd yeah. that, like for whatever reason though it's like yeah I miss Bill and Ted I miss sort of the the goofiness of the whole thing let's go let's get back to it yeah is there anything more you want to say about that um uh, like what you were looking forward to about this what it was about this particular um franchise I guess if you want to call it that that we haven't already said that well, well something that I really um you know the original movies make fun. I mean, this movie is fundamentally about, and those original movies make reference to, uh, this magical song that they write that unifies Mm -hmm. humanity and basically brings about utopia. Right. Right. And it's like, that's a beautiful idea. And I think, (laughs) uh, part of the, I think winking like aspect of the first movies is like, Knowing, like, hearing this song is like, it's like elusive. It's like, it's like Moby Dick. It's like, you're never going to, like, trying to make this song is a fool's errand because as soon as you put this into a movie, like, and obviously we're all like watching the movie and hearing the song, it's like, this isn't the song that like changes the world because I'm listening to it and it's not changing the world. (laughs) Right. So, like, so it makes sense that like they don't really, ever identify the song like this is the song that changes the world right Mm -hmm. um and so this movie being like they still haven't written it it's like oh right that's a really cool idea because it it seems like it should be borderline impossible to write the Mm -hmm. song that that unifies the entire universe and the idea that this movie was sort of like looking directly at that problem as as opposed to sort of like glancingly like you know, referring to it, uh, just felt really like daring to me. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, you're really just going to go there. You're really going to try to like address this problem that seems unaddressable. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was one of the things that I was really looking forward to the fact that it's like literally called face the music and it's about their inability to do the thing that they like that they sort of their destiny. That is their destiny. Right. It just, it's kind of a great, Great idea. Yeah, that there that is a great idea. I agree. And it's one I actually strongly relate to, in fact. And I think a lot of probably this is probably part of like what a midlife crisis is, right? Is right. is 
people who sort of have felt for much of their life that they had some sort of destiny and reaching this point where you're like, I feel like it's maybe not going to happen the way <laughs> I thought, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, I, I think to your point, it's, it's blown way out of proportion, right? I mean, it's, um, it's larger than life in this movie because the destiny we're talking about is saving all of, you know, humanity, saving all of existence. But right. still, um, the, the, the shape of it is relatable that you would sort of have these great ambitions and, and this lofty view of yourself and what you're meant to do in this right. world. And that you'd find yourself, you know, time just passes. And before you know it, you're, I like that they're described as middle-aged. I mean, I, I guess, I guess this is middle-aged these days, but Keanu Reeves is like close to 60, isn't he? He's uh, at least in his 50s. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Let me, let me get, tell you quickly how old he is. But I mean, I suppose that is middle-aged in, in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah, he is. He was born in 1964, so he's 56 years old as yeah, of uh, a week ago. A sprightly 56. Yep. Um. Yeah i I was also I would say I was I was looking forward to this movie. Um, but I I didn't. I was looking forward to it, but I didn't expect much at the same time. If that makes sense, right. I think I just was expecting something light and. I, I definitely I will say just because of the fact that it's 30 years later and, you know, they're 30 years older, not to be this might come across as almost ageist, but like I wasn't expecting it to be quite as fun as the first two. Right. It's just like, you know, it, it's it's not so much like that they that they've lost it or they're not capable of of capturing that. But it's more like as a viewer, you don't even really necessarily want, a you know, 56 year old man to act like a 26 year old and which when he was 26 he was playing more of like a teenager right because right. they're, in high, they're in high school yeah um you don't really want him to act exactly like that <laughs> so i was expecting something a little more muted probably like not quite not quite irishman levels you know uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> not quite like what the irishman was to uh to to Pacino and De Niro. good fellas yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah but um but you know, similar, similar in that it would be, it would, it would be like an older version, right? Right. Um, and so I was expecting just like it to be kind of silly and fun, and to and to probably still have though some, some intelligent moments, some like delightfully intelligent like details, mm-hmm. just like the first two did. Right. That was that was my expectation. Um, and then how would you say it? Uh, how would you say the movie delivered? Against your expectations. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down in the middle. Put it this way. I, I think I sort of was like you in that, like I was really excited for the premise and was really hopeful that it would be, uh, you know, quite inventive. Um, I, I feel like on the other hand, uh, the fact that it, it was so hard, like my understanding is it was so hard to get this movie made and like the mm-hmm. script has been around for a decade and like the stars yeah. wanted to make it for the past decade and they like couldn't right. get money for it. It's just sort of like and this is like a franchise that they could and like Keanu Reeves is very famous, like all of these things. And it's like, oh, they couldn't get this movie made. It must not have been like that great of a <laughs> script, you know, um, or an idea. 
And so I think I, my, my expectations were tempered by that. And so as far as like... Well, let's be real, though. Keanu Reeves 10 years ago had a lot less clout, I think, than he does today. That's true, I guess. I feel like John Wick has been with us for a long time, but that's probably not... That's not 10 years not old. Not 10 years. No, no. Right. Um, but even yeah, like... John Wick kind of brought him back. Yeah, I guess John Wick came out when... In 2014. Probably, yeah. yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. So I guess like back in 2010 might have been sort of a fallow period for, for Keanu. I mean, I think it was just last year that people were calling like the year of Keanu Reeves, right? Because he had John Wick 3. Uh, I think Matrix 4 was announced. Okay. Um, he was in Toy Story 4, right? Yep. And he was... And he was in, uh, what was it, Always Be My Maybe, right? Which is just a Netflix movie, but I feel like he was like a big highlight of that movie. Yeah, big cameo, right. And, and, and he just got a lot of internet attention for just, I don't even remember specifically what. I think it just, like the internet started to, you know, there was like this wave that yeah. sort of, that, that came along of just like an outpouring of love for Keanu Reeves. and Right. I, it's almost like, I think of it personally, I... I I'll be like hipster for a second and say like, I feel like I've always really liked Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like I liked the movie Constantine. Yeah. But I think for a long time it was just kind of like the popular sentiment was that he's a bad actor, you know? Right. And it was, he was kind of looked down upon. And I, and I, my theory is that this past year it sort of became acceptable to like Keanu Reeves. And then like all of the like, actual pent-up love for Keanu Reeves that people had sort of like rose to the surface you know yeah. like a lot of people were like I have always kind of liked Keanu Reeves and I just didn't feel comfortable saying it but now I can you know yeah um I don't know if that's true but that's my that's my speculation um yeah. but I feel like I kind of interrupted you so <laughs> so you were basically in the process of saying it took 10 years to make you sort of knew that it wasn't you were expecting it wasn't going to be like that exceptional yeah. Are you building up to saying that it was uh, just kind of ho-hum or what, what's the outcome here? Yeah. I mean, as far as like whether it lived up to my expectations, like I, I wanted greatness. I expected like, yeah, you know, it, it was fine. Right. Uh -huh. And I think I got what I expected. Like it, it was it was fine. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely can understand that. Um, I I would say I liked it. I mean, I would say I got pretty much what I expected, too, but I. Um, but I did, I will say ab above and beyond, you know, just thinking like, yeah, it was fun, but not the best thing ever. And it did have some, some intelligent, you know, aspects to it. Uh, nothing, nothing in my opinion that was really as clever as a lot of the stuff they did. A right. lot of those sort of plot devices they had in the first two. Yeah. Um, but, but aside from all that, I also just really liked I think it was almost validating for me because I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I haven't seen those first two movies in so long. Right. But my memory of them was that they were really actually pretty um, wholesome. Like mm -hmm. these, these are two really like just good dudes, you know, right. they're kind of yeah. dumb and, and they have like these like, you know, delusions of grandeur arguably, but you know, their whole thing is like be excellent to each other. Mm -hmm. And they're like always building each other. They're like always like, 
awesome idea, Bill. You know, like, <laughs> right, like right. you know, they're they're complimenting each other. They're they're like good friends, and yeah. they're and I just think they're like a great model of just like positive behavior, you know, positivity and and right. like having a good attitude. And so seeing this movie, I was like, yeah, I think I was right. You know, like these guys are just good guys. There's nothing really. There's nothing really cynical or sleazy or there's no like really lowbrow humor in this um, that I can recall. Um, There's a lot of silliness, right? Right. But nothing really like mean spirited or yeah, or like tasteless. And, and that I think on a, like a meta level, it's not like a thing I appreciated while watching the movie. I would just think, describe it more like it was sort of refreshing yeah. And after the movie was over, I was like, it was nice to just be able to watch a movie that, you know, kind of the the movie seemed like it was just nice and that it wanted everyone to be happy and that it, you know, wanted to right. s- send a positive message. Um, and, and I really liked that about the movie. So, yeah, I, I do think that like the pre- there is something sort of deeply inside of the premise of Bill and Ted, which is like if everybody was kind of like Bill and Ted, like <laughs> this world would be actually a pretty good place, you know? Yeah, probably. Uh, and I think, um, you know, the visions of utopia from the original movie sort of speak to that. And I feel like this movie kind of like continues that tradition. It's like, I totally agree. It's like they, despite being almost like uh, impossibly dense in certain ways, mm-hmm. right? Like, they are so sweet and so caring and kind, right? That it's like mm-hmm. um, there is something I think extremely noble and extremely like sort of laudable about who, like the the invention of these characters, right? Yeah. Um, and so I and so in that regard, it's like yeah, I just want to hang out with Bill and Ted for ninety minutes. Let's go, Bill and Ted. Um, all right. So we were both we were both. It seems like we both were expecting, you know, something mildly entertaining and we both pretty much got what we expected. So, yeah, I guess, you know, <laughs> I guess that's better than nothing. Yep. Um, next up. Oh, we talk about themes. So what are what are the themes of this movie? Uh, well, the mo- the construct of the film is um, not one that I totally expected. Um but the because the basic like thrust of it is they cannot like they well I mean I guess it's sort of like um wait like I don't know what's the word like wasted expect like misplaced expectations or like wasted mm-hmm. youth or something it's this idea of you know you had this entire future ahead of you and it's been sort of for whatever reason squandered and you just didn't live up to your potential right yeah. So I, that, mean, I think it's what we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. With destiny. And that's yeah. sort of like the instigating event. And so sort of to make up for it, um, the, the structure is they go into the future to try to sort of steal from themselves. Like basically they want to sort of avoid the act of creation somehow mm-hmm. and circularly just like get to the place where like the creation's just done. Right. Which yeah. is of course paradoxical and should never work. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, but within the world of Bill and Ted, it's kind of like fine. Like that sort of paradox yeah. is a thing that Bill and Ted, I think, has been okay with. Um, 
And so the structure of them just going increasingly into the future to steal from themselves, right, was one that um, I think was a little bit of a cute idea on paper and then Mm -hmm. like but didn't carry as much water as I would have liked because it's just like lots of scenes of the of Bill and Ted interacting with Bill and Ted. And it's like Mm -hmm. I think part of the joy of the series is them interacting with other people like to contrast well yeah well they tried to in order to make it as much like that as possible they just had them change incredibly dramatically over you know yeah these relatively small periods of time it's right. like two years from now there'll be these completely different guys and then two years later there'll be these other completely different guys you know yeah yeah and then five years later um yeah so I mean, I guess that's the main theme, just the the destiny one, the sort of living up to, well, as you put it, the missed opportunities of of not living up to right. what you expected. Um, the other, I mean, there's a little bit uh, in their, there's a little bit with their marriage. I don't know if, I, if that quite deserves to be described as a theme, but... Um, what kind of relationship do they have? What do you call it? Like codependent? There, yeah. There's there's a little bit of uh, exploration might be generous, you know, but I'll call it an exploration of the, you know, less than perfect um, aspect of of being friends like they are, like being sort of inseparable and having um, their identities wrapped up in one another. Um, right. Because it, because it, it jeopardizes their other relationships, specifically with their spouses, who, of course, just happen to be princesses <laughs> transported from the 15th century or whatever it was. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, like that's not a problem at all. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's the fact that their their friendship is is uh, taking precedence over their romantic relationships. Um, but that's that's not even really a. I think the movie barely even takes that idea seriously because their daughters in contrast just like worship them and, and absolutely love them unconditionally. So it had no negative effect on that relationship Yeah, for either of them. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, is there, is there anything else we should talk about with themes or should we move straight on from here? Um, I don't know. I mean like to, to really dwell on like the themes of Bill and Ted face the music feels like agreed, like a dry well, <laughs> Okay, moving right along then. Um, I think best parts of the movie. What are some of your favorite parts? Well, getting to um, sort of like the... Oh, and this uh, is spoiler alert too, by the way. Yeah, Auga! Uh, getting to yeah. like, I think there's a difference in watching Bill and Ted as teenagers, you know, 20-somethings playing teenagers, right? Versus playing, you know whatever, 40, 50 year old men, like the stupidity and that's, and that's overstating it like stupid. That's a mean spirited way of describing it, but you know, the simplicity of these characters or like the obtuseness of these characters is like quite charming and like somehow like slightly believable when they're kids. (laughs) Right. Uh huh. Like you can believe like just kids who are just totally ab- like empty headed, just sort of like 
living life and, you know, not knowing mm-hmm. anything, right? It's like almost, it like defies belief that, for example, they could go to the session with their therapist and like not grasp like the basic point that the therapist uh-huh. is trying to make, which is like uh-huh. part of the problem is the two of you literally cannot use like the singular first person first pronoun. person pronoun yeah right like that's kind of like and the fact that they don't even get it at all right is sort of like yeah. Yeah. oh there's something like mentally damaged about these guys <laughs> right like they like they don't and um and so in that regard like i found it to be like a little bit absurd but also like quite funny right it's just sort of like okay mm-hmm. this movie's really going for it like bill and ted yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't grow up and get wise you know what I mean? Like right. they stayed exactly the same. Uh, and that sort of, uh, I found to be kind of delightful and it's like them bouncing off of other characters, like incredulousness, right. Mm-hmm. Incredulity. Right. Um, that's like really fun for me. And what's less fun is when like one bill and Ted has to explain life to another bill mm-hmm. and Ted. Right. It's like, this is, you know, this funhouse mirror isn't as fun as seeing like, the, the real deal just like bounce off of other characters that like do not cannot grasp like how they feel about the world. Um, uh, yeah. You know, like that part didn't do it for you. Huh? All the all the Bill and Ted on Bill and Ted scenes. By the fourth time, I was sort of, I was I was kind of burnt <laughs> out. Um, like another example is, um, you know, a running gag, certainly in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I don't remember this from Bogus Journey, but it's it's possible it's part of Bogus Journey as well. I just might have forgotten is the idea of Missy. Right. So mm-hmm. do you remember Missy, mm-hmm. who was like their classmate who marries their dad? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was. It became she became Bill's mother in law. Right. Uh, Ted's. Or maybe not their classmate, but they're like former babysitter or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Who like marries their dad and then marries the other guy's dad. Right. And then like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they bring it back in this movie. And then in this movie marries one of their brothers. Right. <laughs> it's just sort of yeah. like extremely messed up. Right. That this yeah. could happen. But they are like totally good natured about it and are like, <laughs> right. Missy, like. You know, it was great when you this were is okay. <laughs> when you were my mom and then when you were Bill's mom and now that you're my sister-in-law like yeah. You know, we welcome you with open arms, right? Like the fact <laughs> that they're doing that is like so insane, but like is a useful way of just like this is how these guys go through the world like with no ill will at no all. No judgment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I'm actually sort of I thought that was an interesting way to do that. Speaking of Missy, my again, it's been a long time, but my recollection of her is that that was the one sort of a little bit um, you know, sketchy element of the first, you know, couple movies, basically just that they were sort of like ogling her, I remember. Right. Um and uh and that was sort of like gross you know right um but but that the way they sort of turned it into something completely absurd you know in this movie and i mean i guess it is also gross but (laughs) in a in a not like really i guess not a really like explicit way it's just like like you put it as you put it you know it's it's just messed up (laughs) that this 
this woman has had relationships with all these people in the same family. It's uh, yeah, quite would make most of us uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, speaking of that wedding, I actually uh, I don't know if it quite deserves to be listed among the best parts of the movie, but I was surprised that I really enjoyed that song. <laughs> so so <laughs> did, did I. I <laughs> I, I I remember like a, a brief glimpse of it from the trailer, and I thought it was going to be this comically ridiculous. Well. It was ridiculous, but like a like a like a comically bad song. But right. then as they started going, I was like, "Oh, they're doing like loops. They're like bringing in all these different sounds. Like this yeah. is kind of cool." Yeah, it had like a coherent like key, and you know, like there was yeah. the harmonic stuff it was doing made sense. It wasn't total chaos and noise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It was just sort of like, oh, they actually like made the they actually did write a song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and it you know you might not like it or whatever right but it's right. not like total noise it's not total ridiculousness yeah yeah but i mean i think i especially liked and you brought this up before the them bouncing off other characters i thought that scene was great because i thought the music was really cool and then it was also very funny to see you know these wedding guests or or the the couple at the wedding trying to dance <laughs> to it and failing but then like cutting to their daughters who are like totally feeling it you yeah. know yeah. And you're like, yeah, I could I think some people could could get into this music, right. you know. Yep. It'd be tricky to dance to, but you know, it's, it had it's a ri- it had a rhythm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it did. It did. Um okay, what are what other best parts of the movie? Um So, what do you think of the ending? So, was it was it a good ending? Yeah, so so I really quite enjoyed, in fact, found it quite moving how um, it was never we re, you learn at the end of this movie that mm-hmm. it was never their destiny, right? Right. It was always their daughter's destiny, and mm-hmm. I found that to be very touching. Um, where Bill and Ted, a lifetime of believing that this was their responsibility very quickly understand that it's somebody else's responsibility and they just need to be supportive. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I found that to be like a quite touching, clever way to like conclude it. Um, and then I thought the, the idea that the, that the daughters bring to it, um, which is, was frankly a little bit mind blowing to me was like, the song didn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. The song was an un- was like a a detail, but the thing that mm-hmm. mattered was basically us transcending time and space to allow the entire universe across all times and dimensions to play music with one another at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that sort of blew people's minds and like caused the universe to change. It's like that actually seems like it could cause the universe to change. <laughs> Right. Like if somebody just randomly showed up in this room right now and was like, I'm going to figure out a way for you to like see across time and space and like play with the entire play music with the entire universe simultaneously. I think that could actually like change all of humanity. Right. And it's just sort of like, okay, this is how the movie is squaring the circle. It's like it's not about like two lone geniuses composing like somehow some magical algorithmic piece of wonder that like unlocks people's brains it's more just like no the experience of togetherness is the thing that unlocks people's brains 
And that struck me as like more true and less any sort of a less impossible task than sort of the preceding movies had sort of laid out. Um, mm-hmm. And so in that regard, I found it to be quite, uh, I found that part to be quite rewarding. Um, so uh, that's probably, I think we're talking about best parts of the movie. We'll talk about worst parts of the movie in a little bit or fix the movie in a little bit. Um, <laughs> yes, but that, we'll get but, there. But, but that part, I, I, that concept I quite responded to. Me too. And there was another, there was another aspect of the end that I also liked, which is when, you know, when they had this realization of, oh, maybe it's the girls. And then they're like, but we can't make music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget, you know, the exact words, but they essentially said something like, you know, we just listen to stuff and take what we like and put it all together. Right. And they're like, that's it. That's what you got to do. You know, right. I thought that was a, a cool, um, you know, uh, that was a cool message as well for me. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if message is even the right word, but just kind of just kind of sort of drawing a parallel. For me, it felt like the movie was drawing a parallel, right? Of like, that's what we do in life, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about is you you listen, right? You you are like receptive to the world and the things you you encounter and you take and you sort of notice what you like and that sort of informs who you are and what you bring yeah. you know, to the world. Yeah. Um, and, and it was sort of like, you know, from my perspective, um, it, it sort of an acknowledgement of like, when they say like, we can't make music, they think that's like this thing that you, that this is, this is this thing that you either can or can't do. And then they describe this other thing they can do, which is listen, put things together mm-hmm. and, you know, pr- synthesize essentially. Right. And it's like, that's what making is. You know, mm-hmm. that is making music. That is what making things is. Right. Um, that's what we're all doing all the time. Um, so I really liked that too. I, the, it was, it was a pretty small detail. Like they kind of just had the line and then, and then went, went ahead with it. But right. for me, it was, it was a pretty big, um, it was a pretty big, big moment. Yeah. Yeah. Other parts of the movie that, uh, you would consider your favorite. Uh, I just, you know, about the ending, I just liked the whole, um, you know, everybody hurts meets the spider verse sort of thing that's going on at the ending, mm-hmm. which is like we're on a, mm-hmm. we're on a stopped, we're on a section of an interstate and somehow the universe is collapsing on itself and like all things are converging at this one point. I just sort of liked that, uh, <laughs> that imagery and that notion. It just struck me as a, yeah. a fun like way to sort of a fun place to set a finale to a movie. Yeah. Um, I guess one more thing I, that I would list that I thought was enjoyable was the robot. (laughs) What was his name? Dennis Caleb McCoy. Dennis Caleb McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think particularly when he like first is, you know, remembering his name or whatever you, you want to call it. Um, and, they're sort of like, and this is again um, an example of just finding pleasure in their personalities and how kind of positive and accepting and non judgmental they are. I just really like this. He's like sort of repeating himself and he's like kind of like it's all dawning on him. It's almost like his consciousness is coming online, right? And, um, and I think it's Bill who's like, all right, man, we get it. You're a robot. 
and your name is Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like a robot who died, and your name is Dennis Caleb McCoy. Like it's just like completely 100% accepting all of it, right? And just being like, it's cool. Come along with us. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I remember, I remember chuckling quite a bit at that whole like that whole scene. Yeah, the idea of we get it when it's like, yeah, this is a robot <laughs> right. sent from the future to assassinate you. Right. Like in order to fulfill like a, a dark prophecy, like it's just like the idea of like, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Right. Like like yep. hand waving yep. through it is just sort of a funny idea because these guys. Have I mean, seen, it's like it's like them in the beginning with Missy, though. Right. Like you were saying. Right. It's just like I'm not questioning it. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's a robot and he died and he's in hell now for some reason. And he has a name, <laughs> including a middle name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, there's there's an element of like yes and rolling with it that Bill and Ted always sure, have that I just sure, yeah. always I think is is quite enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Okay. Is that it or any others? Any other scenes um, or parts of the movie you want to highlight? I think those are probably my my most favorite bits in the film. Uh, yeah. Right. I think I, I can't think of others. All right. Should you uh, should we fix the movie? How are you going to fix the movie, Adam? Well, can can we just start by saying the things we didn't like and then we can troubleshoot and figure out how to fix it? Yes, we can do that. Okay, so... Um, we already know you don't like Bill and Ted talking to themselves so much. Yeah. Um, I found, like, the exercise of Billy and Thea, like, getting the band together to be, mm-hmm. like, perfunctory. You know, like... yeah. I mean, it's sort of just, it's what already happened in the first movie, right? Right. It just felt like... a history class. Felt just like a retread of the first movie. And it's like, okay, like, I guess it's it's a little fun for them to, like, get Jimi Hendrix and get Louis Armstrong and get other, and Mozart and other sort of noteworthy musicians. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, this is not a through line that we're really following very carefully, like... Uh, like in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you get to see them interacting with these characters and get to see those characters interacting with each other in interesting ways. Yeah, yeah. Right? In this they movie, go bowling. Right. right. In this bowling movie, with Napoleon. it's like, it's all montage practically, right? It's just sort of like, and then the girls go and get all these musicians and believe us, it was an amazing adventure, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know if the movie um, ran out of budget or what but i felt like that way three times in the movie like the Mm -hmm. very beginning where narrated by the daughters it's sort of like here's the entire thing that happened to bill and ted over the past 30 years right it's like really we don't get to see any of this we just have to hear two characters who we do not know like tell us Mm -hmm. what happened to bill and ted um and then uh, and then certainly the getting the band together thing, I, I just felt was like rushed. And then even the ending where like they just say like, and that is how we unified the world and credits. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah, it was right. just sort of like I just felt like these important parts of the movie were just sort of like this is going to take us a long time and be hard to do. And so we're just going to like use voiceover narration and just get out. Um those types of choices, while I sort of understand from a practical perspective why one might make them, it just made the movie feel like incomplete to me. Like it was just mm. missing parts that should have been there. Yeah, I mean, it was quick. It was a short movie. I think it was 
like 90 minutes, if that. Yeah, right? I think it's, I think it might even be less. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Yeah, I think so. Or one hour and 31 um, minutes, so not 91 minutes. Okay, but that's like including credits, so. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I also think them getting the band back together would have probably been more interesting if the girls weren't just sort of carbon copies of their dads. Yeah. Right? It's like it's like those characters again, just female. You know, like right. if and actually don't get me wrong, I actually kinda enjoyed them being like their dads, but it's like, but then you do the same storyline with those characters and then it just feels repetitive. Right? right, right. Whereas I guess my point is if they did a get the band back together kind of thing, but the girls were very different. You know, they had different personalities, then maybe that would have brought like a different dimension to it that was interesting. Right. I will say I did I agree with you overall, but I did, I don't know, I enjoyed the, um, the specifically the one scene where Jimi Hendrix is playing along with Mozart. That, that for some reason, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really the only scene like that. Like, like in contrast, the fact that they can sort of convince Jimi Hendrix by Louis Armstrong playing like a few notes on his trumpet, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's lots of people in the world who could have played... You know, yeah, like a neat little progression on their trumpet. Yeah. I don't think Jimi Hendrix would have like turned around and been like, "That must have been him." Right, right. Um, yeah, no one could have played that. It's just sort of a suspension of disbelief thing. Yeah, um, yeah. that like I get, I get it. Like if if you're willing to believe that Socrates and Genghis Khan and Abraham Lincoln would have like gone along with this plan in the first movie, like you have to be willing to believe that all these musicians would go along with this plan in this movie, but it's just sort of like, I suppose that's fair. I just felt, you know, again, it's, it it just felt a little perfunctory, like just sort of because we did this once and it worked, let's just do it again. And it just didn't, it just didn't have that same sort of like liveliness to it that the first time around did. I'll tell you the thing that sort of, I mean, I wouldn't say it really bugged me because it didn't bug me while the movie was playing out. It more bugs me looking back um, is the time travel. I feel like this movie just doesn't follow the same rules as Uh the original. Like the way that I talked about the original being like a kind of in a weird way, serious take on this concept of you can go in the past and change the future. And, you know, then they they like build entire plot developments around that this time around. I'm like, it doesn't make sense from the beginning. It doesn't hold together at all. Like, you know, the idea that they're like at 7 PM or whatever on this day, you have to play the song. Mm-hmm. And then they go two years in the future and the, the, themselves two years in the future. Don't know the song. I'm like, but it happened two years ago for you guys. What right. do you mean you don't know the song? Right. They should have just had to go like five minutes later and right. they should have gotten the song, you know? Right. It just doesn't make... And it's like they go two years in the future and they don't have it. And then they go farther into the future. I'm like, you're just going farther and farther away from the event when you presumably played the song. So right. how do they possibly not know it? Right. So it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't make sense according to the rules of the movie. Right. And then, And then the other thing is the... Well, not the other thing. I mean, I think there's like actually lots of examples of it not holding together. But another one that that seems pretty egregious to me is the premise of the whole resolution at the ending is, you know, they go throughout time 
right? Mm-hmm. And distribute these these instruments. And I'm like, now you're making it a historical event. You know, you're making it a thing <laughs> that happened throughout time. Like, right, right. Everything before this, it had already happened. So like in the world that you're in, in the movie, you should now be living in a world where that all already happened. Yeah. You know, which is, which those are the rules that like the previous villains had played by. Right. Um, so I'm j- I just, I don't know. It's sort of, like I said, I didn't even bother me at all while the movie was playing. And then when I think back on it, I'm like, come on, you guys. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not a big deal. Like you don't have to, it's just that you sort of did it this way in the previous movie. So in my mind, that's the way that Bill and Ted does that, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's the way that Bill and Ted does time travel. And like this new movie, I'm like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't do time travel the way it that I thought this franchise would consistently do time travel. Yeah, it's like... It's okay, it's just, you know... Going into the past to change your present is paradoxical, but, like, if you accept sort of the circularity of it, you can do interesting Mm -hmm. things with it, right? Going into the future to change your past or to change your present is, like, nonsense, Right. It's like, like that's sort of like, okay, that can't even be right. Like there's not even a paradox I can use there. It's like self-contradictory. Right. Yeah. You you know what I honestly thought in the very beginning when they, when they make the first trip and they see themselves and they're like, oh shoot. And they're like trying to run away and they're trying to escape. I, I was totally like intrigued by that. And I thought it was going to be something where like, they visit themselves and themselves in the future, like do know the song. Right. But they're like, we can't tell ourselves the song, you know? Right. Like, it's something like if we tell you it's not going to work or something like that. Yeah. Like we can't tell you that that's not how it happens, you know, right. something like that. Right. And then, then that I'd be like, Oh, that makes sense. They visit themselves and, the, and their future selves are like, yeah, yeah, you played the song, but like, we can't tell you the song. Right. <laughs> that's not how you get the song, you know? Right. And then they'd be like, ah, Maybe future future selves will tell us, but right. instead it's like it's like they like wish they had the song, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and they're like pretending to have the song, and they provide a Dave Grohl song instead. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you played the song five years ago, according to you know. Anyway, Legend, I said my piece on destiny. This. Yeah, yeah. I feel like what I and so now that we're talking about this. I feel like what I would have preferred, both for the reasons that I didn't enjoy, I didn't like as much the idea of Bill and Ted just hanging out with Bill and Ted. That struck me as a little bit self-defeating. And then the fact that, like, uh, it it just doesn't make sense either. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I would have preferred, like, some kind of mission. Like, like the premise of the movie is fine. Like, go on a mission to get the song somehow. Or to figure, you know, figure figure out the things you need to figure out to get the song. But, like, that doesn't mean, like, you have to do it the way that you did it, right? You don't have to, like, steal it from yourself. That's like a... Um, and so I, I feel like that's the thing that I would have preferred is, like, look, put them on a mission just like they're on a mission in the first movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. have them go do something. Like, there's a, some kind of heist or mission or something that they have to do that will like they believe will help unlock the song for them and then like do and do that because that is much more to me interesting than and like doesn't 
uh, create sort of self-defeating kind of paradoxes or impossibilities the way that the current movie does. That being said, I, I had the same exact experience that you did where I was like, didn't bother me while I was watching it. I was like, sure, yeah, go into the future, steal from yourself, fine, right? But now as you're saying, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I think, I mean, it's the sort of thing where, you know, you, when a movie, when you're watching a movie, you're just trying to follow along with what's happening. You're not really stopping to, like, scrutinize it, you know? But, um, but I will say a thing that did, even while I was watching it, seem absurd was that, you know, they finally visit themselves like when they're like on their deathbeds. Yeah. And, and well, not in their deathbeds. They're in a, they're in an assisted living. So they're very old and they do give themselves the song, you know, ostensibly because they give them this thumb drive. Right? right. And like when that scene's happening, I'm like, so what the movie is saying is they didn't have the song for like almost their entire lives. And then they finally got it as old men but like the, and then they gave it to themselves to go back and play it like 30 years prior like right like that well, as i was watching it like took me out of the movie by how absurd that was yeah um yeah like why do the old men have it <laughs> right <laughs> basically why did the other guys not have it and the old men do right it's just like because it's this weird, weird like it's this weird. Like, did um, they write it in their eighties? Like, yeah, what, what yeah, they wrote it in their eighties, and they were and they <laughs> needed their young selves to come and take it from themselves. It just doesn't yeah. like your yeah. brain breaks because it's not possible, right? Um, yeah, and so I uh, mean, you know, and and this is where it's like the simple joy of Ted stealing his dad's keys and putting them somewhere for himself in the past mm-hmm. is like. Right you know, like a little bit elegant and a little bit sublime. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in this movie, it's sort of like the opposite of like going into the future to like hand yourself an answer to a thing from the past is like somehow, like, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same sort of joy for me. Yeah. I think it's the, I mean, I think like for me, I'm a big believer in simplicity you know, the simpler things are just almost always more satisfying. Right. And and they hold together better and they make more sense. Like I think the original Bill and Ted, the key, the hiding of the keys is a good example. It's like a simple concept. It is paradoxical, but it's sort of pleasingly paradoxical. Like you said, like in a circular way. Um, But what this movie tries to do is like a lot more complex. Yeah. And I think things that are more complex, you know, they quite often, they become a bit more of like a house of cards Right. It just doesn't hold up yeah. under scrutiny. Yeah. So, um, you know, I did remember, though, speaking of those old men, I did remember another part of the movie that I quite enjoyed, <laughs> which was, I think it was Ted talking to himself about, like, I feel like I never really knew you. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that, just that absurd dialogue I, I quite enjoyed, <laughs> personally. <laughs> was that the one where they were at Dave Grohl's house like or oh no when they're old men you're no no saying. no he's talking to his old self yeah, and he's yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know it's like looking into a mirror you know <laughs> and he's like he's like i just was never there for you and yeah. just like it's just it's just absurd like right. uh, in a in a positive way for me of yeah. just like what, what are they saying to each other yeah <laughs> just the mystery of ted you know yeah 
the, the boundless mystery of this man, this very simple right, man. who is like a total mystery to himself, right? Ex- yeah, exactly, exactly. He's talking to himself, and he's like, "Never really knew you, man." <laughs> um, so I did enjoy that. But are we actually um, of the faults that we're bringing up or the gripes we have? Um, it seems like the so the one concrete thing that you seem to feel would have made the movie better is if they basically replaced the 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 plot of them going to visit themselves with some sort of quest to obtain whatever they need to to make this song that would have been more interesting yeah I th- probably I th- involving going back throughout history again yes i think so and i and i get it they're sort of like we've already gone into the past so let's do the future right like that's sort of yeah. like um but i think that's sort of like a a false choice and ultimately like isn't as satisfying. I mean, when put it this way, like I get that you've got to use the phone booth. Like that seems like a necessary way that you have to like have your adventure. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. which although incidentally, do they use, Oh yeah, they do. They use the phone booth. It's just, there's also that white pod that happens too. Um, Yeah. The daughters use the pod, right? The dads use the phone booth. Yeah. Um, I put it this way. I don't know that, I'd be hard pressed to tell you like, here's a solution that would have been more satisfying. I'm sort of just being a a negative Nancy and just saying like the current one wasn't that didn't work that well for me. Here's a suggestion, but you know, far be it for me to pretend like I've got this all figured out. Yeah. No, I mean, (laughs) we normally are spending, uh, you know, roughly an hour on average talking about a movie and maybe coming up with ways it could be fixed. But I don't think an hour is really a satisfactory amount of time to uh, give someone to fix a movie. Yeah. Um, But anyway, it's also not desperately in need of fixing, right? I mean, we both enjoyed it still for all its flaws. Yes. Uh, Yes. I think like with any movie that has a lot of promise, um, at no point was this my... Was this my baby driver or my atomic blonde where I was like, this is going to be the movie that just like wins the year for me. Um, Yeah. But, uh, you know, those movies I feel like are tantalizingly close to greatness in a lot in certain Mm -hmm. times. And so it's like more disappointing when they don't achieve it. Right. Um, This movie was never like close to greatness for me. Um, (laughs) But I do feel like it has some of the elements necessary like it's like it could it probably could have been great. It's got like lovable characters. It's got this already like established sort of um, playfulness with time and paradox. Um, you got winning actors. You've got I you know like we talked about Ready or Not on this podcast a long time ago. Like I think you know Samara Weaving's a winner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know I think uh, the guy who plays Dennis Caleb McCoy, Anthony Kerrigan. <laughs> Uh, is an actor I love on Barry on the TV show Barry, uh-huh. um, and so it's like you just got some winning elements here. Uh, William Sadler's death—you've just got a bunch of good stuff in here, um, and the and the fundamental premise, like I called out in the beginning of this podcast, of like they haven't written the song yet and they need to sort of face that down and figure it out. Is like, yeah, I like all this stuff, right? Yeah, um, yeah. and so that's that's what so makes you got it some little, great ingredients. Yeah. You got some- Solid ingredients. That's what makes it a little disappointing to me that like it's not a better film. Um, but that being said, that's me being that's me looking a gift horse in the mouth because at the end of the day, like I liked it. 
Yeah, yeah. I I I definitely know what you mean. Um, I it's it's like easy to imagine a world in which this was a great movie, like a like a knocked it out of the park, mind blowing, super satisfying, and and very enjoyable conclusion that sort of exceeded expectations. Right, was greater than the sum of its parts. Right. But realistically, I mean, it was written by the guys who wrote the first two, right? And those weren't great movies. Right. They were just fun movies. So right. I, I think it's I think it's about what we should have expected. And I think it is what we expected, right? But I know yeah. what you mean. That it's uh it's still it's still uh, always tempting to kind of imagine what could have been. Yeah. Um, all right, so are we gonna beam this movie up, Adam? We both know the answer to that. I will not be beaming it up. No, no, but not beaming it up unless I come into the future. Like unless my future me <laughs> comes back to here and tells me you've made a grave mistake. You have to beam up this movie because it's what is needed to save the universe. Um, yeah, then I'll do doesn't it. Doesn't seem to be happening, right? Yeah, doesn't it, it would happen. Right now, it would happen it now would. <laughs> if it was going to happen. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay, well, not beaming it up, but. Still appreciate the effort from Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. I'm, yeah. I'm glad they finally got to make the movie. Yeah, I totally. Mean, you know, I'm happy I, that it was made. I'm glad it exists, you know? Yeah, yeah. Same. And I own it now because, <laughs> because renting it was like $5. It was like 20 bucks to rent, 25 to own. Yes. So now you Google. can watch it as many times as you so want. So now I can watch it, yeah. Um, all right. Well, there you have it. Fun movie, not beaming it up. Uh, yeah. So if you're the astronaut listening to this, sorry that we just wasted your time talking about a movie <laughs> for an hour that we didn't beam up to you. <laughs> we, we, we beam up, up all our episodes, We upload right? our podcasts, but not the yeah. movies. Well, the audio would, would, be, would require less. Uh, yes, bandwidth, that's right. Yeah, this is the most entertaining <laughs> thing that he could possibly get from us. He could also just get a transcript, you know? I mean, this can easily be transcribed. That's as right. As opposed to... Yeah, but who's going to type this? Not me. That's nah, AI. AI does it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Let Google do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. I'm Dan. I'm Adam. Bye. Bye.